I'm Libby Rothschild, former clinical dietitian who transformed into a full-time virtual business owner. It was only one year ago when I made $55,000 a year in my clinical job. And now I make $100,000 a month being my own boss. And you can do this too. My clients, who are all female dietitians and students, started from zero and created six-figure, multi-six-figure businesses by following my proven method. And they've all been guests on air. My proven method shows you how to attract cash paying clients using social media marketing strategies that work. You don't have to guess, waste time, or hold yourself back when you follow my step-by-step method. Hello and welcome. I'm here today with Jenny and Jill. Jenny Harris is a registered dietitian and board certified health and wellness coach. Jenny's focus on physician performance nutrition combines her professional expertise as a dietitian with her personal experience of being married to a surgeon and as a competitive endurance athlete. Specifically, her practice helps women in medicine meet and exceed the unique set of nutrition requirements their job demands. By optimizing nutrition and creating a healthy relationship with food, Jenny's clients are able to focus on their practices and still have enough energy to enjoy life outside of medicine. Jill Mongeen is a registered dietitian and former tax accountant, run coach, and metabolic specialist. Jill became a dietitian at age 48 after helping her husband, a 34-year wide-body international commercial airline pilot with his celiac disease, high blood pressure, and prediabetes. Jill went directly from her internship into private practice. As a former tax accountant, she spent over 10 years behind a desk with no vacations and filling thousands of tax returns with little human contact. Funny that during her dietetic program, a professor told her she would never get an internship if she did not have kitchen experience. With over 15 years of experience working with commercial and cargo airline pilots, she was able to help improve their health for more successful results in the Federal Aviation Administration Medical Certificate exam. She is passionate about making nutrition easy and fun to reduce the stress pilots face now during COVID and always. Welcome to today's episode. I'm so excited to have you both. And then Jenny, can you just remind everybody where to find you on social? And then Jill, we'll just list off your handles and then we'll dive right in. Yes, you can find me at Jenny, J-E-N-N-I-E, Harris, R-D on Instagram. Fantastic. And Jill? You can find me on Instagram at pilot.nutritionist and on my website, truecoursenutrition.com. Fantastic. Welcome, both of you. I'm so excited to have you on air. So I wanted to hop right in. The topic today is uh, shift workers, mental health and nutrition, since both of you work with professionals who struggle with shift work and how that affects them, their feelings, their emotions, their day-to-day, and the work that you do with them um, from the marketing to actual service delivery, I think is an important topic. So I'm really excited to dive in. So can you talk about working with shift workers and the relationship with mental health and nutrition? Does shift working affect daily life, cause disruption? If you could talk about your clients and how they feel and, and the solutions that you offer them, and how does working a shift for your job affect your abilities, if at all? And we should probably first define what shift work means for those who, who might not uh, even understand that. I can go ahead. I think it's a little bit different for both of our clients, but for the majority of women in medicine that I work with. Some work 24-hour shifts, others 12. Some are on call for two weeks at a time. But essentially, they face a irregular schedule that's always changing. So it's very different than the standard eight-to-five type of job. Yeah. 
And then Jill, is there anything you want to add to that as far as shift working and what that means either for your clientele or in general? Yes. So shift working for me is very different. So think about commercial passenger pilots. They're running all different shifts at all different times, 6 a.m. to sometimes midnight. And then right now we have an abundance of cargo pilots flying all of our packages overseas and they're working about 10 days on and two days off. So think about disrupted sleep patterns. They're starting, cargo pilots start their day usually between 11 p.m. and 2 a.m. Yeah. Lots of disrupted sleep. Absolutely. Yeah. So thank you for defining that, what shift work means in both of your niches, your markets, right? And now I think we can dive into how does a shift worker, how does it affect their relationship with mental health and nutrition and daily lives? Any examples? So as far as pilots go, they're, they're never in control of their schedule. You know, they, they get a sheet of paper at the beginning of the month, but it always gets disrupted because of schedules and weather and sleep patterns and fatigue. So thinking about mental health, that's all that they know. Their, their whole identity relates to them being a pilot. So if they get taken off of a shift, it's a downgrade in mental status. And then you've also got to think about food. Right now with COVID going on, there is not much food in the airports. You know, for them, they can't get fruits and vegetables in order to, to get the gut microbiome going. So they're living on processed foods and it just further downgrades their mental status. And the last thing, which is so sensitive right now, is furlough. They're all getting furloughed. Well, 84,000 are getting furloughed and that just further downgrades their mental status as well. So being furloughed because of obviously what's going on with COVID and the demands and needs, in addition to uh, their schedule and the variability and the access to food, how do you have any examples of how that's affected their mental state, let alone weight gain, lack of controlling diabetes, prediabetes, chronic conditions? Um, can you talk a little bit more about that? And then, and then Jenny, we'll, we'll have you pop in in a minute um, too. Yes, absolutely. So, so think about emotional and mental issues, one being alone from their family. Um, you know, I have a pilot right now that's in India quite a bit of time away from his little, little son and his wife. So a lot of emotional eating. And then think about sleep disruption. When they're going against their circadian rhythm, their cravings are all completely different. You know, I read a study the other day about cortisol and disruptive sleep patterns. So with the cargo pilots, especially craving a lot of sweets, which increases diabetes, the number one factor for pilots right now, getting in trouble so that they lose their license is actually blood pressure. So you, you go two factors. So diabetes and blood pressure, all affected by food. Right. So what you're saying is that if I'm understanding this correctly, in general, being a pilot in your example, because that's who you work with, but the fact is that they're shift workers. But because of COVID, the access to food is lower because of obviously airports and, and consumer needs and, and whatnot, things are more limited. So they have limited access to foods, which means limited access to fruits and vegetables, but that doesn't mean that the barrier to become a pilot or maintain your, your license and your credentialing has changed at all. So you still need to have regular blood pressure and manage chronic conditions, yet access to food is decreased. So how is that correct, that kind of juxtaposition? That, that is exactly correct. So, you know, they still have to maintain a very strenuous regulation as far as their blood glucose, cardiac events, and blood pressure 
all while dealing with these other things that are going on. Do you have any stories of how that affects them or how are any of the unions uh, dealing with this or what are you doing to help provide any kind of support during this difficult time? Yes. Well, you know, I'm a pilot's wife, so I hear about it every day. My husband says that for his own airlines, American Airlines, they have union representatives that are on staff that mentor pilots that are in need. So thinking about the furloughs, they all have buddies that they can talk to at any point in time. As far as what I do, you know, I can relate to them because I have 15 years experience. So I've been through it before. My husband was furloughed after 9-11. That was a very intense time to say the least. So with that, what I'm doing as a dietitian is I'm working with individuals that are proactive, you know, so I had someone last week that saw he was reading high numbers, but he doesn't have a medical report going on for six months. For instance, I'll just throw out some numbers. His blood pressure at home reading was 145 over, I think, 89. I put him through a whole, I have a whole protocol of procedures and such as far as hydration and what they should eat. Um, I talked to him this morning, actually, and he was at like 126 over 82. So, you know, just dialing in the diet while they're at home for a couple days, even monitoring hydration, um, talking about all sorts of things, fiber content. And, you know, they all send me pictures of their food on a daily basis, too. So I'm always like, hey, thumbs up, thumbs down. Hey, you could do better. So, yeah. Great. So that support that you're offering them, it sounds like it's a little bit preventative at this point, as far as the particular gentleman you mentioned, who has, uh, he'll be checked in in the next six months. So he's trying to get those numbers down now and and get those habits in order to make sure that he can maintain its status uh, with his passion. Correct? Yep, that's correct. Thank you for for sharing that, Jill. Anything that you want to add, Jenny, as far as um, your experiences on, on this topic? I'm sitting here smiling because I think so many of the barriers and challenges that these two populations face are actually very similar. And Jill really touched on a few of these. So sleep disruptions. And I even noticed this, you know, my husband's phone when he's on call, it goes off through the entire night. And I know with the women that I work with, they talk about that as well, that when they're off, they're not even really ever off. So that's one tricky part. And then Jill also mentioned this, but your circadian rhythm. So that's also off. And that's going to have a really big impact. You know, cortisol, hunger cues, hormones. And then another thing with this population is they often don't have like adequate time to really sit down and eat through the day. And if they don't get started with some sort of meal, then they run out of time to even have a snack. And so that just lends to further exhaustion. And then I notice with a lot of my clients, because they don't eat anything through the day, they're starving. Like they have that ravenous feeling by the end of the night where you will want to like go home, open the fridge and eat the whole thing. And so it's super frustrating because sometimes it's completely unintentional but their body's not getting enough. And so of course they feel so hungry by the end of the day and that we see like tending towards weight gain. And then it plays into the emotions too, right? That's kind of upsetting when you're stuck in that like irregular pattern of eating and you feel some of that guilt because it's this constant overeating. And then lastly, Jill also mentioned this one, but just with the fatigue, exhaustion and pressure, huge food cravings. 
And then also, even with COVID, those foods are like donuts, kind of like all those treats, snack foods, they're still present in the hospital. So a lot of times, you know, if you haven't eaten for a few hours and you're hungry and it's there, it's so easy to grab. And so what I really try to do is simplify nutrition for the women that I work with so that they have these quick on-the-go snacks and meals literally in like their white coat or scrub pocket. So whether it's, you know, some almonds, a snack bar, they can eat it between patient rooms when they sit down to document for five minutes. Because we all know nutrition has become so complicated. And so I'm just trying to dial it back a step and give them simple, quick solutions that provide longer lasting energy so they can make it through the day feeling good. Yeah, really helpful. And then with COVID happening and your line of work, I love Jill's example about how she said that the pilots have a union rep who can provide that emotional support, at strong union, right? During this difficult time where their identity is so wrapped in what they do. And I love how Jill mentioned that they've got a sheet and they look and see their schedule, but then the weather happens and then uh, flights get canceled. And then all these things happen that can throw off their hunger cues, let alone their circadian rhythms, et cetera. And that is in general for pilots, but more specifically with COVID, right? All of those extra things. So given what you mentioned, Jenny, and the erratic schedule and the feelings and, and the typical environment of the hospital, what have you noticed, if anything, has been shifted with COVID, meaning more demands, have their schedules changed at all? How has that affected the psychology or emotional eating? Has it exacerbated binge restrict cycle, et cetera? Do you have any kind of stories to share given the, what's going on right now? Yeah, I would just say it's really different per like client. Some are less affected, some more so. But from what I hear, I was actually just on a call with a client yesterday who was telling me, and it's something you don't really think of unless you're in a situation where you constantly have to have a mask on, but increased patient load, increased pressure. And the, it's almost a barrier having to wear a mask over your face. It actually makes it more difficult to eat. Yeah. And she was talking about, it sounds so silly, but mask breath. So then being also more conscientious about what you're eating and how that smells. So it's actually COVID itself and like, you know, the protective equipment that they have to wear, it makes it more challenging to eat. And for a lot of them, it's an increased patient load. So again, just more stress, more pressure. The days are longer. They're exhausted. And thank you for the example. I've never heard of that with mass breath, but that makes perfect sense. Not only are you frustrated, there's obviously high tension, no matter what specialty you're in, it's obviously a difficult time around the world. Um, You you know, the requirements are higher with what you have, your gear, right? Everybody's hopefully trying to step in. What do you think that does for the psychology of your client or how are you, what kind of mechanisms are you able to enforce that they're incorporating exercise or what, what other kind of modalities are they incorporating to prevent depression? You know, I think a lot of them are working on it, but it's tricky, you know, hospital depending there's greater support or less. Yeah. A lot of the women that I work with, just having some support and accountability is huge because they're responsible for so many other people's health. So their patients, their family, and no one is taking care of them. 
So just reinforcing that idea that nutrition is part of self-care. And then a lot of women I work with also employ like little meditation techniques in the morning. So they might not have, you know, 30 minutes to dedicate to those activities, but doing 15 minutes of yoga, 15 minutes of meditation. And then again, just the accountability and support, someone checking in to make sure that's happening along with, and then, Hey, you know, did you fit a meal in? Is really beneficial. That's fantastic. Thank you for the specific examples. Anything else you want to add as far as how either one of you talk to your clients about how they feel and uh, what solution you offer them? You, you both gave some great examples. Is there anything else, uh, whether it's during COVID or not, uh, about this pop- your populations? Sure, I'll go ahead and share. So I, I used to only do um, twice a month check-ins, but now I'm doing every single week check-ins. And it's really beneficial, you know, that pilots are away from their wives and their kids and whether they're in a crash pad. So a crash pad is where it's kind of think about the frat boys, like that's where all the pilots hang out together at a home somewhere. So that's been a really fun time for them. So I will check in with them there. And then they've got a whole group of guys. They're kind of having their own party, which is cool. And I'll, you know, I actually encourage that. So I'm like, hey, that's great. You know, you're not at work. You're not going to get called to have a couple of beers in the airport as well. You know, I'll check in with them at the airport, but I make sure that I do weekly check-ins, even if it's for 30 minutes, but it's actually been longer. They're, they're wanting to talk, you know, they want to talk to somebody and unfortunately they don't want to talk to their wives right now because their wives don't understand pilot life. And I do. So, you know, I might do an hour check-in for some of them when they, I just know that they need some attention and some accountability. So you've yeah. really picked up the support given mm-hmm. their lack of accessibility to help them reach their goals, whether it's and um, mm-hmm. keeping track of their blood pressure and their weight, their diabetes, or just making sure their mental yes. state is aligned um, and, and feeling as good as possible given, given the, the mm-hmm. um, erratic scheduling. Yes, more, more mental status. I mean, especially this week, because, you know, starting Friday, a lot of them are going to be off work. So I'm hypersensitive to it right now. Yeah. And that's, I love that you're being so cognizant of what's going on, right? One of the things I I teach in my method is uh, when it comes to content and again, I'm shifting to marketing, which we don't have to get there yet, but you you know, I just love to talk about that. We want to be really aware and sensitive of what's going on. And we would be remiss to not mention, especially with the work both of you are doing right now, right? Jill pilots being furloughed, Jenny physicians, female physicians in, in different specialties who are working to, to keep people healthy and, and really front line of defense right now. But we have to be aware of how they're thinking and feeling on a daily basis, whether it's uh, modifying service delivery, like Jill mentioned, checking in a little bit more regularly and being aware, or maybe even in our marketing, right? Discussing sensitive, vulnerable topics that are really challenging, like mask breath. If you haven't done a post on that, Jenny, yet, that would be really cool. Yeah. <laughs> Anything you want to add to that, Jenny, as far as specific examples, like Jill had mentioned, providing a little bit more service, adjusting the service delivery during the time, difficult times? Yeah, I mean, I'm right there with Jill. So just finding, listening to clients, what they need and finding that most of them need more support and then being really available and having flexible hours. So, you know, being available on weekends, early in the mornings. So just again, trying to be a support system and actually they have irregular hours. So that's essentially, you know, I also work some of those irregular hours to meet their needs. 
Well, now I can't help but think about what the audience is feeling. And they're probably looking at Jenny and Jill thinking, wow, these dietitian bosses are rock stars, but where are my boundaries? Right? So how do you establish boundaries while still providing service for vulnerable populations who are struggling with mental health? Yep. I can speak to that because the first week that I was in your group with the dietitian bosses, I'm not too sure if it was you or maybe it was Fatima talked about text messaging. And I used to text message my pilots like crazy. And, you know, my husband's on disability now. And that's the last thing he wants to hear is my text message going off at 2am. So I was like, okay, guys, listen, we're going to move to my EMR platform. It has a chat ability. There's still a notification, but my phone goes off at five o'clock. But right, you know, there, I love people. So they're on my mind. And if I get up at 2am, and I see that I had a message come through, and I'm coherent to answer it, I'm answering it. Every once in a while, if there's an emergency, they all know an emergency is like getting a delayed flight, running out of food, some, you know, a blood pressure issue, diabetes issue, then they text message me, but we have strict parameters around what's an emergency and what's not. I love that. Thank you, Jill, for sharing that. What a great example of how you used to, and that was Fatima, by the way, I did not. If that was me, I would have said, Jill, oh no, for the text. No, 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 no. But I love the, the honesty and, and obviously you're, you're caring and compassionate and they're lucky to have you. We're lucky to have you on this call. Okay. But I, I love the before and after I'm visualizing an Instagram post before text messages at 2 a.m. Now switch to an EMR phone <laughs> at 5 p.m. I love that. And I think the listeners are really going to look up to that and think, wow, I can be as helpful and impactful mm-hmm. while still maintaining some level of boundaries, knowing that you're feeding them. Of course, if there's a situation, it's an emergency, but let's not pretend like everything's an emergency, right? Let's be real. So that, that was really great. Anything you want to add to that, Jenny, as far as boundaries? I try to do the same. So just setting really clear boundaries, establishing that as soon as I start working with someone. So similar to Jill, I only communicate with them through my electronic medical record. And once I'm working with them, I no longer communicate with them, you know, through Instagram. So really having a clear boundary and then having days too that I've, you know, chosen my schedule and blocking, you know, certain times of day or a full day off. And to be quite honest with you, I find it, you know, sometimes it's pretty exhausting to listen to my husband's phone go off all the time. He's constantly on it. And so I'm trying to set an example of, you know, obviously our work situations are different and some of the things he's doing are more emergent, but really like kind of Jill said, trying to put the phone down in a way at a certain time so that when I'm working, I'm on. And then when I'm done and off, the phone is like away on a table and it's not work time. I absolutely love that. And I just want to highlight what amazing, I'm glad I asked this question, uh, amazing answer from both of you, Jill from changing communication platforms and then setting boundaries, Jenny setting boundaries from the beginning, but then role modeling for your husband and your partnership at home, which is so important. We don't always talk about it enough, but the dynamics of how your business, right? Your, your company, your practice, how can you separate that from your personal life? So you can still provide service you feel good about, especially in a difficult time right now for a sensitive population, but still maintain that healthy boundaries with your partner and then let him know, Hey, uh, this is, you know, ideally if it's, if it's not emergent, the phone goes over here, right? I'm pointing to somewhere else outside of uh, you and him are, are operating together. So I think that's, that's really great role modeling. Fantastic. 
All right. Um, how do you express the power of weight loss and maintain sensitivity to mental health in general, and especially now with, with COVID with your populations? That's a really interesting one for me because I, when I started, I did not want to really get into the weight loss world, but because of COVID and the situations that pilots are under right now, I actually have one with weight loss and I really tiptoed into that situation and it's been really successful. You know, he, he said he's a cargo pilot. He has four children at home and a sick wife. So he's gone all the time. Stress level is at the max. And he said to me, you know, cargo pilots get really good cake on crew meals. And I'm like, you're eating the cake. Okay. So six weeks in, he's now lost 10 pounds. And we had that conversation last week. And he said, you know what, because you gave me the ability to eat the cake, I ate half of it. And I really don't even want it anymore. What a success. I love that. Jill, your examples are fire. That's beautiful. (laughs) So you're incorporating kind of like uh, intuitive eating principles mm-hmm. and, and whatnot into your practice, uh, be gentle and, and help them. What That's amazing. Yep. I, I don't that. even know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it amazing though when, when they can figure yeah. it out on their own with the amazing direction that you provide? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, Jenny, you want to add to that as far as weight loss, mental health, sensitivity to mental health? Yeah, I noticed... When I first started working, my primary focus was more on weight loss. And all of my clients kept repeating that they really wanted increased energy with weight loss as a byproduct. Mm -hmm. And so I think it really points to the fact that the mental health concern was really primary. They're drained, they're exhausted. And like we were saying earlier, that in itself is leading to, you know, increased cravings, Um, and really impacting how they're eating. And so I've shifted a little bit to focus on, you know, increasing energy and fueling through the day. And I've noticed with quite a few clients that the cravings have decreased or they actually just feel better from eating something in the morning. They have a little bit more energy. And so that feeling definitely carries over to, then, you know, being able to go home, having more choice over what they're eating for dinner, there's less guilt around food and really more like enjoyment of life outside of medicine because they have the energy to not only, you know, survive their job, but thrive doing their job and also enjoy life after work. It's amazing. I love that. And I love from a marketing standpoint, and I'm familiar with what you're saying that you initially put weight loss as the primary outcome. And then through learning about what they said and felt, you decided that the energy and increased uh, making sure that they're not fatigued needed to be uh, prioritized where weight loss slightly deprioritized in the interim, Um, although it's still important, but it might be that you have to shift the marketing to what they're saying. Uh, That's incredible. Yeah. Really, really great. And that helps you. What has that discovery helped you do in terms of marketing and service delivery, meaning helping the client? Yeah, it's definitely, you know, my engagement with clients has significantly increased. It's funny because that weight loss component is still there, but it's just really allowed me to reach more people, build connections. So it's pretty exciting. That's incredible. I'm so, I love that story. So thank you for sharing that and uh, giving, giving an example. 
And I think we can move on to the last piece of our, our panel today, uh, which is a great segue. And that's how do you market this on social, the market, the work that you do? Jenny just gave uh, an example about shifting a little bit, given what the, her clients and her audience is saying. And Jill, do you have anything you want to kick this topic off? Sure. The way that I market on Instagram is, is 100% about blood pressure because that is the biggest issue for pilots. I really don't talk anything about shift working or any of the other topics that we talked about today, but blood pressure is on the front of everyone's minds because let it be known today when I say it that the medical examiners that work with pilots actually sometimes read their blood pressure three times to get a reading. And I'm probably going to get stricken from Instagram when I also put this out there, but the Federal Aviation Administration, I'm kind of hitting a hot button right now. They let blood pressure go to 155 over 90. We're all registered dietitians. We know that's hypertensive, like that's cardiac zone. So I'm hitting that market hot and heavy every single day. Every single one of my posts is about blood pressure because I don't ever want to read in the paper that a pilot had a heart attack on a plane. Like that's my mission in life. I love that. That is so clear. But for those listening who don't understand what it got to take you to that point today, <laughs> can you walk us through a little bit about um, how did you land upon that blood pressure? Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously you've got experience oh, yes. and you're a pilot's wife, but in that process of getting the marketing clear, was there any kind of story or example you want to share? Because I know that wasn't as linear as making it sound. <laughs> that, that message was so hard for me. I danced around it for like four or five weeks. I was like, one day I'm going to do this and the next day I'm going to do this. I started out in weight loss and then I quickly determined, oh, I don't want to do weight loss. I want to do something bigger than that. I need, you know, it's not the way to go. And then actually before I ever started with you, Libby, I was working with pilots on with diabetes because pilots also push the barrier on that and they get glucose in their urine and then they fail their exam and they get to go sit home on the couch with a paycheck. So I thought, well, I'll do diabetes. But then I was like, well, that's not really, there's only 4,000 of them. So yeah, it took me four or five weeks to finally get to that message of looking on, you know, the FAA also is a governmental body, so they don't really want to put information out there. So I had to do a lot of, I was kind of like an internet FBI of sorts, trying to figure out where I was going to get that information from. And still, I don't know if 14,000 14, people, 14,000 pilots a year, I don't know if that's an annual number, if that's an all-time number. I really can't quote it because I just don't know and no one will tell me, but I know for sure it's the biggest issue because they're all flying and, you know, they're coming in my doors now wanting help. I love this, Jill. You've got so much clarity. And as we look back and now we can chuckle, four to five weeks is not that long of a time for you to get dialed in. So I know during those four to five weeks, it might have felt grueling. It might have felt painful, but you've been able to really get clear, feel aligned. And that's a significant uh, market and work that you're doing. And it's super clear and it's very much in demand. And I agree with you. Like, I love that you're saying your life's work is to prevent pilots from having a heart attack on a plane. I think we can all agree that that's really important. It's like life work. Yeah. 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 I, I love that. And so just to kind of uh, tie that in a bow for the marketing, you had mentioned when it comes to social that your posts talk about controlling blood pressure, right. And, and lowering it and whatnot. And um, has there been anything specific that you think has helped more than that's kind of been helpful or is it just in general, that message being clear with the blood pressure, or would you say it's been, 
Uh, is there anything specific like you putting yourself in the post or are you showing up regularly? Oh, that's a great question too, because I, I discovered a little nugget this week. So I put my disabled husband back in his uniform and he is an internet sensation. Every time I put him on a post, my post double and then you'll love this last night i had a discovery call this poor gentleman 81 years old he said i want to look like your husband can you can you work with me he's been retired for like 20 years but he wants to work with me because he saw my beautiful husband in his uniform that is amazing jill i love this and boy are you nailing the marketing you know, these guys what they can do aspirational marketing awesome well, that is a phenomenal story. I think we can all agree that your husband needs to be on every post now, if not every other, right? I know. Every other, yes. We got to keep it, you know, got to keep them humble. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, that piece is a different story, but I love that you've gotten double engagement in a discovery call. And can I just ask, how did an 81-year-old man find you? Does he use Instagram or does somebody he knows? Yeah, yeah. So he, um, because my husband was a 9-11, my husband had been interviewed for one of uh, a podcast by this gentleman. And so this gentleman lives in California. And so my husband and this gentleman actually became friends now. So it's like idolized. Yeah. That's amazing. That's <laughs> wonderful. Yeah. That, that's great. But as far as yeah. how he found your feed. Oh, how he found my feed. Yeah. yeah. He found, he found my feed because um, part of your program told me to do market research. So I started joining Facebook groups like crazy. And so one of the Facebook groups was um, aviation wellness community. And this, this individual just started following me from there. Smart. So you knew where to, you, you identified your ideal client, knew where to find him on social, attracted him to your content, made better content that got him excited about where he could be. You booked a call and then the rest is history. It is. Love it. <laughs> Jenny, anything you want to add to that, add to that story or about your marketing? I mean, you already gave a great example sharing how you first kind of focused on weight and then you shifted that to energy, even though weight's not out of the question, it's just not the primary focus for, for what their primary outcome is. Is there anything else you want to add to that specifically about your process? I think that it's just a work in progress. Sure. And what really helped me honestly was to just get started and get going because the more you show up, the more frequently you post. And I've noticed this too, Jill, when I add my husband, Jeremy, to stories, because it builds like no and trust. And I completely put him in his scrubs too. <laughs> but, and being comfortable with the fact that you're growing and it doesn't have to be perfect. That's been really helpful for me to continue to make steps forward. I love it. So what I'm hearing is that both of your husbands in your marketing are helpful. And Jenny, I think it's time for you to put them out in your feed a little bit more with some scrubs so we can see how that can help with your <laughs> revenue goals. Fantastic. Okay, that all of that is, is really helpful. And I love that you've both gotten started, gotten more clear, gotten direction, and then feel good about the really important work that you're doing. As we wrap up today, is there anything you want to add to this conversation or you want to sign off with um, before we wrap up? I just want to say thank you, Libby, because I followed you forever and I was scared as ever could be to join you. But now I'm like, I wish I would have done it a year ago. 
I appreciate that, Jill. You are an absolute delight. So couldn't be more thrilled to have you uh, in, in the program and, and on air. So th thank you for sharing that. Um, anything you want to wrap up with, Jenny? I mean, I agree. I feel the same way. I listened to your podcast for months. And to finally do it, similarly, I wish I started a year ago. But just, you know, similar to the support and accountability that Jill and I provide our clients, that's what for me has been so beneficial about working with you and your program. And so I think we all need that. And it's really important to seek that out so that you can grow, you know, both professionally and personally as well. I appreciate that. Thank you both so much for being on air. It was a pleasure. What a fun conversation with fantastic examples. I know the listeners are going to love it. If you identify as a female dietitian or student, apply to my coaching program. I'm accepting applications now. My clients go from zero to exceeding their sales goals. I save you time, energy, and I show you how to confidently become a dietitian boss. Thousands of your colleagues from around the world are doing it, and so can you. Apply on my website at LibbyRothschild.com and check the show notes if you want that link right away.